All right, welcome to episode four of the Greatest People You've Never Met podcast. Today's guest is uh, Jeff Heinrich, uh, not in studio via the old FaceTime. Uh, today's uh, podcast is going to be a little different uh, since the the first one. Jeff was like, hey, you know, want to hear your story, and I've always wanted to have Jeff on. He's one of the people that I want to have on, so it worked well. Uh, so we got Jeff on, so we'll do a little bit of me interviewing him and him interviewing me and just talking and having a couple drinks, hanging out. But uh, I've known Jeff for a long time, uh, gotten significantly closer with him over the last couple years. So, Jeff, thank you so much, dude. I appreciate it, taking time out of your busy life to, to spend a minute with me. Yeah, brother. I'm excited to be here, dude. I'm yeah. excited for you. Excited for what you what you got going on, and so yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, I think it's only fitting uh, to share uh, with the world my very first memory of Jeff Heinrich. Um, so, for the people <laughs> listening that don't know, uh, Jeff is the older brother of one of my best friends, Justin, and uh, we're about thirteen years old. Jeff's a solid twelve years older than us, so he's back home hanging out in Fairmont, just living life. Uh, and his dumbass brother was having a bunch of his dumbass buddies over having a poker tournament for his 13th birthday. And uh, we didn't really know Jeff. We just had heard of Jeff. And uh, Justin had folded on a hand of poker. And, you know, at that time, the World Series of Poker was running wild. I mean, it was everybody. It was poker was all the rage. But uh, we were playing. We really had no idea what the hell we were doing. But uh Justin folded on a hand, and then he picked up the discard pile, and uh, Jeff put a hole right in his chest, dude, 25-year-old, just punching this little 100-pound 13-year-old kid. And since that moment, we've all been scared of Jeff, so fear has rang deep with us, but uh, just had to share that one to get it out of the way. Dude, you can't play that shit in Vegas. You can't look at the discard pile. I know. So, that was... know I'm saving him from... Uh... A worse day later down the road. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you told me that story at his wedding. And uh, to be honest, I had no idea that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, a little embarrassed, but hey, you know, that's what uh, big brothers are for, right? Show them the, show them the ropes. That's right, man. No, it's a, it's a good memory. Uh, you know, when, when you tell, when I tell people that they're like, Jesus Christ, you know, what a hard ass, but no, it's uh it just probably fits the the lore of Jeff that we grew up knowing. We thought, I mean, we still do, but don't let your head get too big. I mean, we grew up thinking you were one of the baddest motherfuckers on the face of the planet. So then for that to be our first interaction, it really fit fit that lore. So Hey, man, I'm not going to do anything to dispel that legend. Yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs> so, um, but, now, but, but here's the deal, right? Like, so, and that's something that I find interesting because i think anybody who knows me knows i'm a pretty easygoing guy mm -hmm. right um but it's you know hearing you tell that story hearing justin talk about um me growing up it's an odd thing to have somebody who doesn't really know you well like talk about you right and now you know i've known you for 20 years right or known who you are right Right. Not really necessarily known you, but I've known who you are for 20 years. 
And then, geez, my brother's wedding. Got to know each other a little bit better. We had uh, some fun stories there. Yeah. About a dude from Chicago and me telling you not to curb stomp him. That was, um, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, what? 18 months ago, I don't know. My brother sends me the invite. Yeah. I get invited to the squad, right? Um, and we start playing vids together. You get to know me a little better. And, you know, I don't think I'm anything like that now to you, am I? No, I mean, def- I mean that's just the thing, though, is like nobody else had a brother that was 12 years right. older, right? I guess Brandon Splinter did, and I think Dustin graduated with you around the same time, but didn't really know Dustin sure. like that. And so, like I said, it just, yeah, definitely not now, but I mean, growing up, I mean, your brother was by far your biggest fan, man, and uh, it, it showed it showed a lot, and then... You know, Justin would always tell us these stories, and whether they were true or full of shit, we believed every single one of them. And then the lore of Jeff They're just grew. True. Yeah, I know. I They're know all they true. Are. Absolutely, they are. It's like one of them. Is. Mm-hmm. Well, man, I want to talk to you a little bit. I know that you want to. You have questions for me, and that's why I'm excited to do this one. And uh, you know, kind of touching on the person you are. You're not really a bragger, so. I want to take a couple couple minutes to brag about you or pull some stuff about you out. Um, so uh, first thing I want to talk about is, uh, I mean, it's interesting to me. I mean, anytime somebody plays college athletics, especially in the, the gap of where, where we were, um, you know, tell me a little bit about your time at Augie throwing heaters. Yeah. Uh, you know, my time at Augie throwing heaters, a lot of them went over the fence, right? Um, that this is, this is part of the legend that, you know, unfortunately like reality comes crashing down. No, I, you know, I'm probably like a lot of college athletes. You, you grow up in a small town where, you know, no one can touch you. No one can compete on your level. You go to college athletics, everyone's like that, mm-hmm. right? You get your moments of success. And, and you know, it's something my friends and I talk about a lot. And, you know, we talk about it when, we, when we're, we're chilling around, you know, just playing video games, just how wide the gap is from one level to another, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's massive and you, you, it's hard to comprehend, right? In college, you know, throwing... 94 i think i touched 96 once or twice like at those times that those numbers were pretty impressive now you got this ben joyce kid throwing 105 and a half right right? i mean come on at 19 like yeah he's 19 years old throwing 105 and a half you know good luck to him i hope his arm holds up yeah but you you're you're throwing that hard and you think like man nobody can touch me and then you start you know, playing against other guys who are on the same level as you and look, you realize there's more to it, mm-hmm. right? And you got to start thinking your way around and trying to figure out how to pitch. Right. And I, you know, for myself and thankfully for my life and where it's at now, I never figured out how to pitch. <laughs> <laughs> right. I just knew how to throw hard. Right. Um, you know, I struck some dudes out, gave up some home runs and, you know, and, you know, I, I, I had a good career. It was fun. I, I got a lot of good friends. Um, we turned a program around that was the bottom of the old NCC, just kind of borderline the laughing stock. Um, to you know, shit. What was it? Five years ago, 
They won the national championship at D2. Right. Furthest northern school that's ever won a national title. Um, well, clearly, I had nothing to do with that. Those dudes were extremely <laughs> talented. But um, I think if you talk to anybody in our class and others who were there around that time, like our class was the one that started the theoretical or quote unquote turnaround of that program. And now they're, you know, they're consistently ranked top 10 in the country, um, which is pretty impressive for a school that plays 70% of its games when it's 40 degrees out. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, what was like, I mean, 12 years before we were getting recruited to play college sports, you were, and I know like, what was that like? I mean, I just, I'm so amazed now, you know, from me coaching ball to, to what it's become, like the evolution of recruiting is something that intrigues me like crazy. Um, so what was that mm. like? I mean, was it, I mean, we could talk about the, the legend himself, Alex Nice, going to play for the Gophers out of your <laughs> class, but um, what, you know, what, <laughs> What was that like? Like, were they there? Did they come scout you? How? I mean, especially at playing baseball in Fairmont, which traditionally was not a good baseball, you know, school. So, just tell me a little bit about about Augie finding you. Yeah, I mean, we were dog shit. Uh, your class wasn't. No, dog state. Right. Um, no, we were. We were not good. Um, and to be honest, like growing up, like anybody who got any interest from any college coach, didn't matter what level, like all of a sudden everybody's like, holy shit, you know, that guy can play mm -hmm. because there wasn't, and this is like an interesting thing. Like I would love to get into you, get into it with, with you. I grew up without internet. Right. Right. So like you couldn't self-promote, you mm -hmm. couldn't put videos online of, you know, striking out the side nine pitches nothing but fastballs right down the dick right right like i couldn't do that right you know it just word got out right yep. you know you you're a, a freshman you know and it, it, i am not trying to toot my own horn but you are trying to toot mine mm -hmm. um i was a year younger than everybody in my grade right i graduated at 17 years old the youngest kid in my class um so when i was a freshman you know, I'm technically an eighth grader and I'm throwing no hitters. Right. And then when I'm a sophomore, I'm supposed to be a freshman and I get moved up to varsity and I'm pitching in playoff games. Right. And, you know, word just gets out. Yep. That's how it, that's how it started back then was word got out that somebody was good at something. Yep. Um, we had a couple guys in our class that were legit athletes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, our football team, we lost two games in four years um you know went to state you know got our hearts broken twice sadly but you know we were good and everybody on that team was an athlete that did something i think there was like two kids from that football team that went on to play football um you know there's probably more i'm just forgetting the past sadly right. um but you know we had a a lot of good athletes that played basketball we were decent at that sadly half the those athletes decided to play tennis really yeah fuck off right yeah like half of them played tennis which you know hilarious stories about these guys like football players playing tennis like good feet work <laughs> i suppose 
maybe i don't know <laughs> i don't know why they got into it uh, to be honest like one of like one of my favorite stories about our our middle linebacker goes on to play at south dakota state dude led fairmont in tackles for years he's probably still up there um you know he's 6'2 230 just a shit brick house right mm-hmm. he's playing tennis doubles and he's pretty good at it but like we all get done with a, a baseball practice and we go over and we watch them and he like sees us on the fence and he just turns around. He's like, Hey guys, watch this. And his double partner is up by the, the net. Right. Cause that's how you play tennis. Right. And he just serves it right into his back. <laughs> right. Cost. And like, they're in a match, right. like a conference match. And he just gets it right into his back and he turns around and just starts laughing with us. Right. Like he had no business playing tennis. Yeah. <laughs> Classic stuff. But no, I mean, so to recruiting you just circling back like it just it just started to happen because you performed and i mean i I remember i got a letter from the reds that showed up at the school office right the cincinnati reds and like by the time i got done with sixth period the whole school knew yeah and like eighth graders were like holy shit jeff are you gonna go bro yeah of course man (laughs) you know you know i am Never did, obviously, but you know, it's just, and it, and then you get to college and you find out from all these guys, yeah, they all got those letters. Right. Right. Like it was, it was just different. And you know, I, the coach that showed up there, he just, I have no idea how he found out about me, but he just started showing up to my summer Legion games and then started sending me letters. Went out on a recruiting visit. I think I went to visit Augie. Minnesota State used to be Mankato State. Um, a couple JUCOs down in Iowa. That's about it, man. And just Augie was the right fit, right. and I went and you know met a lot of good people and had a lot of good good times out there. And I got a degree, shockingly. Yeah, and good for you. congratulations. Yeah, I mean, sick degree, man. Yeah, thanks. Um, Considering I never went to class, I, you know, it's yeah, pretty no, impressive. That is, that is cool. <laughs> never that bought cool. books in four years and graduated. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, it was it was interesting. And, like, so I'd be curious what that, like, how that changed in 12 years when you guys were going through it. Because, like, I remember my brother, like, so, you know. For a little context, for those who don't know, my brother was a quarterback on the football team Ben played at. He went to the same school I did, you know, got a scholarship, all that shit, right? Right. Like, so he was he was good too at things. But like when he was going to school, I could listen to your games on the radio, right? I could maybe watch one or two, like on the internet. Yep, terrible connection, but I could watch one or two, like halfway across the country. And he would put together a highlight tape set to music, right? So, yep. like, what was it like for you I mean, in that world? Yeah, so, I, I mean, it was definitely different. So, like, Justin was obviously, like, a, a, he was a talent, right? Like, well, I don't want to blow his brain up either, but he was pretty good. I mean, especially mm-hmm. at a place that threw the ball 20 times a game. Your brother was – he was accurate. I mean, he threw the ball way too damn hard, but he, he was good. And so um, – but, I mean, people – I think just, you know, kind of the same thing, probably paid attention. I think the coaches pushed Justin a little more. I know for, like, other guys, and especially to myself, like, I just wanted to play college ball. And, like, I was mm-hmm. going to go anywhere. I mean, 
Peru State could have called, and I would have been running to just go play college ball. And uh, nice. we just filled out recruit questionnaires, and that's how I kind of learned about recruiting sure. was because when your brother and I were in, like, ninth and 10th grade, we would go to, like, all the big-time schools' websites, and we would fill out recruit questionnaires. And so kind of like, oh, you got letters from the Cincinnati Reds, Justin and I were getting recruited by Texas and USC and Ohio State. Of course. Because they would send yeah. those things out to everybody, right? But then when it yeah. came time to, like, actually, like, learn about it, then it was, like, fill out a recruit questionnaire, and then a coach would reach out reach out to you. And I think Dakota Wesleyan was big. I know Will Hawkins also went there. Um and their old line coach at the time was born in Fairmont. His grandma still lived there. And so he like came and saw us and mm-hmm. I mean it was nothing too crazy, but I mean definitely the internet helped. Like I didn't have a highlight tape. I know your brother did, I know some other skill guys did, but like I mean, then to now to when I was, you know, coaching just a couple of years ago, I mean it was huddle and highlight tapes and now they're not long and it's like two minutes and you would put like mm-hmm. one together for the first four games of the season the second four you know right and now twitter is so big in that uh there's recruiting services and stuff that i think are good but man twitter especially like football twitter that is i mean that's a different world and these kids put their stuff on there i i could go through my dms i used to get dms from kids from all over the country Cause they thought I was a college coach. Cause I just had like, you know, a decent looking Twitter with like a header that said head coach and stuff. <laughs> and so these kids would just DM me highlight tapes all the time, like just looking for an opportunity. And I think there's a lot of that out there that kids are still hungry, but then definitely dude, like being down here now, like going to a big school is 90% of how those kids get to that level. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're not elite level athletes, but when I, the first game that I went to down here was Suaro versus Sierra Vista out of California. And Sierra Vista, yep. that's where, like, Bronny James and them go, right? Yeah. So their football program's decent, but I'm watching these kids, and I'm like, okay, they're really nothing different than what, you know, I would have played against or I've seen or coached against, right? But it's because they went to Suaro, and that's why mm-hmm. they're big time. And. You know, sure. Christian Kirk went there. Byron Murphy, who plays for the Cardinals. I'm sure the list goes on and on. Those are the guys yeah. that I know. And then when we went to watch Chandler versus Hamilton, there was 17 Division One kids on the field at all times. Like, mm-hmm. there was, you know, wide out going to Ohio State. The quarterback's going yeah. to Tennessee. One's going to West Virginia. So, I mean, I think now it's still kind of the same thing, the big school exposure. I just think that kids at a smaller level maybe have more outreach, you know, coming from fair i mean fairmont just had two kids one went uh hudson arts is going to north dakota state and zach jorgensen's going to the university of minnesota i mean that's two division one kids in one class that is an unthinkable thing yeah you know but it's it's that exposure who's that i mean there was a kid what was he a year or two younger than you guys went to kentucky oh you know uh, got drafted i don't know his name luke becker baseball player yeah 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 but you know like that's it's interesting, right? Like, you know, you, you say big schools, right? It's just, it's winning. Right. hundred percent. It's what it comes down to is winning. And, you know, cause the, the guys that I went to Augie with, um, you know, they're all the, the, the seven guys that were in our class, six of us were D one talents. Right. Right. I was throwing 96 at a D two school you'd turn on the college world series. There's only like two or three pitchers at that time that were throwing that hard. Right. Right. And, 
two of the kids in our class, they were twins. They were from Podunk, South Dakota. You know, they moved there from Colorado, had no exposure, right? Like there was no recruiting network like there is now. They played at Augie for three years. They went to K-State in the Big 12. Like transferred there their senior year. K-State, Big 12, right? You're talking Texas. Yeah. I mean, just Oklahoma State, like baseball powerhouses. Right. And one of the kids was the number one his senior year. Just coming the other one, The other one was like the setup guy to the closer, right? So, and they were pitching D2 the year before mm-hmm. and had a 500 record, right? So it's exposure matters, right? And yeah, I think like you're saying now, not that we want to turn this into a recruiting podcast. But, yeah, but um, we might. You know, it, it's an interesting world you live in where without – the the on-field success as a team you can still try and find opportunities whereas you know how many kids from st james were probably you know we're just throwing out a random town right <laughs> we're, we're good enough to go play further on but because they grew up in a town of 1500 people and they never nobody a gave a shit about them right right exactly like, there's a couple kids that, like i didn't throw no hitters against them every time right right so like some of them could hit me not all, you know, and so it's like, yeah, it's just, it's winning. Winning yeah. breeds exposure, and I, that's still true today and yeah. will always be true, right? Like, yeah, that's always going to be that way, which is what it is. Yeah. It's unfortunate, yeah. and that's why you see it so much now. Like, I live up in the metro now, and, you know, Hopkins is a the Twin Cities metro. Sorry for Ben's massive, yeah, my massive listening following. audience so far, um, you know, but – Hopkins is a national power in basketball, and that's because every kid in the Metro that's worth a shit transfers there. Right. They don't recruit. They just – everybody shows up. Paige Beckers yep. from Hopkins. You, like, played at Hopkins. Didn't live there. Right. But that's where everybody goes to play basketball. You know, it's it because it breeds exposure. Yep. Who knows if she would – you'd like to think talent would win out uh, in that world, but who knows. And I think you see that in, like, every metro, right? Like, I think, like, you know, like, just looking mm-hmm. back at the Minnesota, Minneapolis, St. Paul metro, like, it's the same thing. All the good wrestlers go to Apple Valley. I mean, they've had yep. Olympians for years. They got the best wrestler of all time come through there. And I think that right. just happens. And especially now where parents are freaks and want their kids to succeed more than anything and probably mm-hmm. a little too much where they'll just literally do whatever it takes to get their kid to that school to get them. Yeah. Know, Probably exposure. Right. Absolutely. But that, like, so if I could interject. Absolutely. Right. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to hijack your show. It's your show. Right. Um, today it's your show. No. Well, yeah, sort of. Yeah. Um, you know, we've gotten to know each other very well of late. Right. Yep. And you tell me. You tell all this, you know, like you're doing this pod, you're doing all this, right? And and the reason I want to go through this is because I want to talk to you about like coaching, like what got you into that, right? Mm-hmm. So you're telling us like you're going to start this podcast. You give us this, the the name of the type uh, of the pod, which you know I think is is incredible. We're listening to it. We're going to listen to it every week, right. whether it's good or bad, Correct. right? Shout and out. I think one of the first things that stood out to me when I was listening to this is I tried to pull back and say, if I don't know you, why am I listening to this? Mm-hmm. Who the fuck are you? Yeah, no one knows. Right? 
where did you come from? What's your story? Because to me, I think your story is very interesting. Uh, it's inspiring. It's it's you. Maybe it's not unique. Maybe it's unique to me because my circle's too small. I don't know. Right. But I want to like get people to understand who you are and create some buy-in for yourself. I appreciate that. Right. Yeah. Um, shit. There's a million podcasts out there now. Everybody does these. Yeah. So who the fuck is Ben Semp? Mm, that's a good question. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm obviously from Fairmont, Minnesota myself, uh, born and raised, uh, played football for a year at Dakota Wesleyan, uh, moved back home. Thought I was going to be a, a lifetime hog farmer, uh, just uh, working hard, trying to make a dollar. Uh, really do, you know, miss the simple of that life, though. I, I, that's one thing that when you, I think, <clears throat> especially do what I just did and make a move is like, that is something that I think back on all the time. And it was like, man, you can have it as simple as you want and be as happy as you want. Because that at that mm -hmm. point in my life, I was... Uh, 22, 23 years old, uh, whatever. And literally, I mean, uh, granted, you get to be around some awesome people, right? And there's always, mm -hmm. that's the one thing, I mean, I'm going to bounce around because this is what we do when we talk to each other. But um, that's I'll one. Pull back. Appreciate it. That's one thing that I'm always thankful for when, like, things don't go right. Like, or yeah, you think they don't go right, or you land in a spot is because if, that didn't happen, you would have never got to meet those people, right? You would have never had connections with those people. You would have never been in that spot at that time if you would have kept doing what you thought you should be doing or wanted to be doing. So circle back. Uh, yeah, when I started working for Hugus and Pork, man, uh, Rick Benson, uh, known him for a little while. Uh, his daughters were just older than us. And um, so Ricky gave me a job and it was, I mean, it's not hard work, but it's not easy work either, right? But it's, you know, you show up and, and you take care of take care of the pigs and you go on to the next day and usually end having a couple Bud Lights up in the shop and maybe a couple too many, and then you go home and you come <laughs> back the next day, you know? But at yeah. that time, man, I was living the dream. I was busting my ass for every dollar I had. I had a brand-new pickup that ironically got totaled on the last day that I worked there. Um, but... <laughs> You know, it was just uh, so that's where I really thought life was going. And then uh, started coaching just down the road from the farm in Grenada. Uh, so Bart Clayton, uh, I, I'd worked with him at Fastenal. I did some like part time stuff at Fastenal in the summer uh, one year. And then when I was home, Bart's like, hey, you know, you should come give. They're trying to hire like a junior high coach. And I was like, OK. So I did that um, for a year. I was a junior high coach, and then the, the co-op just went together. So it was Grenada and Truman just consolidated. And uh, so I, I did the junior high coach, and I helped out on the varsity a ton. And then the next year, uh, just, you know, I was like, it's not that I don't want to coach junior high, but I didn't want to coach junior high. Like, this is it's little kids. And granted, those were the guys that, uh, you know, they would have been seniors uh, my first or second year as head coach. So it worked out, but, um, it just, it just wasn't for me, the junior high stuff. So I got moved up to varsity luckily and, and was working hard and, um, 
then I you know, I was the offensive coordinator for two years, and then uh, Lee Dalgar retired, and then I applied for the head coach job. And it was kind of a long, long winter. I didn't think I was going to get it. I was really nervous, and I actually ended up getting it. And when I got it, I was the youngest head coach, uh, football coach in the state. I was 24 when they hired me, so I had no Congrats. business being a, a head coach, dude. I mean, like if I'm looking back on it, I didn't even have a fully developed frontal lobe, and I was supposed to lead a, a program of Correct. children, right? Correct. So, um, but no, that uh, it, he, I just had these big plans and fell in love with it. And uh, then as you progress, and I learned real fast, like I think part of the reason I want to be the head coach because when I wasn't the head coach. I was everybody's favorite coach, right? So, you mm-hmm. know, everybody would come to me with their problems. Parents would come to me with their problems, whatever. And I could, yep, soothe it out. And I'm like, hey, you know, now I'm right. the head coach. We're going to really get this thing going. And that lasts for about four weeks. And then that's Jeez. gone. I mean, it's like that lore, you know, it it, ru- it rubs off and kids are. I remember yep. the first well, practice, man. We had like, we it was nine man football and we had 15 kids at practice, if that. And I had got like, uh, you know, talked Jordan Peschke into coaching with me, thank God, Alex Rorta, Bart Clayton. And we we're just like, you know, what are we going to do? But I don't know, man. That was a, that was a, it was a fun time there. I had, I have a lot mm-hmm. of good memories coaching those kids in those places, but. There's a lot of parents that fuck some shit up, and they sure they 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 can ruin that real fast. As we're as we are all want to do, we don't we don't have a time time limit, do we? No, or we do we? all night. I mean, all they right. might tell us to awesome. leave, but yeah, <laughs> well, that's life. Yeah. So yeah, so you know, you grew up in Fairmont, yep. right? So we're we're gonna circle back, and then we're okay. gonna get into coaching. What's life like? Growing up in Fairmont, right? Because you mentioned like leaving a little bit, right? Yep. Um, but like, what was life like growing up as a kid in Fairmont, Minnesota, right? So those who don't know you, Fairmont, Minnesota is what? 10,000. 11,000? Yeah, maybe. Oh, 10. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> now it's probably 10. Half the old people died. Yeah. Um, yeah. Small town, southern Minnesota, right next to Iowa. Mm-hmm. What was life like for you growing up in that town? And how do you th- like? How do you think it shaped you into who you are now? Uh, I think looking back, uh, growing up was a a little different. Uh, I mean, so I went to you know, so when I was younger, we lived in Welcome, and then so I went to Martin County West, and then we moved to Fairmont, which is even smaller. Correct, seven hundred people, <laughs> and then uh, so when we moved to town, uh, that was second grade. That was my first year at. I uh, went to William Bud for one year. And then we went to St. John Vini, so that's the Catholic school in town. And that was third, fourth, and then part of fifth. And then in fifth grade, I went back to the public school. And then that fifth grade year, I mean, granted, I'm still, I mean, really, I'm friends with them, but there's only one person out of St. John Vini that I'm still really close with. That's Hank Brown. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, but that fifth grade year is when I really got to meet all of my friends that are, you know, shape the group together. That was the first time I met Ty. Yeah. He was in my fifth grade class. We had Miss Mansell. Um, then sixth grade was when I got to know your brother. Uh, that's when we first were together. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, then the group starts to take shape, right? We could pull everybody yeah. in at different times. But growing up, man, <clears throat> you and you know it, I mean, a little bit because you moved to Fairmont as you were growing up. But 
you can complain about it a ton, but then looking back, there's no better way to grow up, man. Like Mm -mm. we had the lakes in the summertime. We would ride our bikes all over town. There was no rules. We would sleep at someone else's house every day. Uh, it's, it truly is when somebody, when people talk about a community, that's what I think of Fairmont as it might be a dying community, but I mean, for better or worse, right. It's a community. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, growing up there, man, there, it was, it was awesome. We found plenty of trouble as trouble presented itself, (laughs) not to incriminate anybody tonight, but I mean, no, yeah. You don't need to have that on your fourth podcast. It already happened on your second. Right. So um, but no, man, I, I loved growing up there. I'm very proud of, of where I'm from. Uh, I think that it's, uh, I think just growing up in the Midwest in general, I mean, the more you meet, I mean, it probably rural America, it shapes you ways. Uh, I'm happy to grow up that way. I'm happy to have open perspective to the world and not stay in that mindset of stuff. But I think it's mm-hmm. a great way to, to grow up and especially if people move back and raise a family, if that's what they're into, I I think it's a good spot to do that. There's a lot of pros to be in, in that kind of spot. It's borderline idyllic, right? Like, yeah. And I will tell you for me, it was not. Sure. Cause when'd you move to town? I moved to town. She's seventh grade. Right. Right. And so when, on my first day of school, and so I came from Arizona. Yeah. Right. So I grew up, I, I, I didn't grow up there. I was born in Jersey and then spent time in Chattanooga, Tennessee, then Denver, Colorado, then, then Phoenix. But we lived in Gilbert. Right. So I came from Arizona a school for those that are down there listening. I went, I went to uh, islands and the mesquite and would have gone to Gilbert. Right. So I came from a very large school system at that time. It's even bigger now. Sure. And I walked into a, you know, from a school where no, no one outside of the people you hang out with know who you are. Right. Super diverse. Tons of people to to meet and get to know and tons of opportunities to like do things. And I show up to Fairmont and on my first day of school, three people wanted to beat me up (laughs) because I was just the new kid who had a tan and hair they're calling me zach morris which whatever um and i'd met a group of guys the summer before because my my grandparents are from there my dad grew up there and so we'd go back every summer and i met a group of guys in fairmont at a place called club teen dynamic name for a place teenagers to hang out just bumping yeah um and word got out that like this new kid had showed up and everybody wanted to beat him up and so the, one of the guys I knew, like, backing up, the principal comes to my last period and pulls me out of class and says, you need to sit in my office because I'm aware that other students want to beat you up. Now, like, thinking about that, right? the principal knows, like, other students want to beat up another student, and his solution is, I'm just going to go get the kid and pull him out versus, like, trying to, like, calm the situation down. Yeah. He's like, I'm just going to hide him because tomorrow will be fine. Right. And so I'm sitting in the the principal's office. There's windows. And one of these, this kid I met the summer before, he comes running by and like banging on the window. And it's my, he's my best, he was my best man at my wedding named Charlie McGough. He's like just banging on the window. And I'm, I like pick my, poke my head out the door. And he's like, dude, we got to get you out of here. 
like everybody wants to roll you and i'm like i'm aware right and he's like let's go and he's just like grabbing me by the backpack and dragging me out of the school and like throws me in the back of his dad's buick and they give me a ride home right and so that's my introduction to the fairmont school system right is essentially hatred yeah (laughs) right and my sister had it worse because she was a junior in high school and she was a a woman right right you know girls are mean just mean to each other yeah sadly and then you know it was an uphill battle from then from there right and so like getting past that and like you know that being said like by the end of it i have a group of friends that you know i'd bury people for for sure right and you know we're still in touch we still hang out you know multiple times a year even though we are all in our mid-40s careers across the country kids like we still take time to get together which is rare right right i mean even your group of friends right like it's tough to get together and you guys don't for the most part you haven't really introduced kids yet correct (laughs) right just west and and will yeah so you know like we created some really strong bonds like doing being able to compete compete in all the sports together and and you know going through those battles together but yeah coming out like right out of the gate man like i was not a big fan and like it here and it you know it still just bugs me to a point but just how in your in everybody's shit they are there Mm -hmm. right it's one of my favorite things and least favorite things for sure so in fairmont minnesota the police blotter is printed on a daily basis. Right. <laughs> right. It's good shit, right? Like that would get read on Conan or Jay Leno. Like, you know, woman calls the police because some guy has a goat that won't stop, you know, making noise at midnight. Well, how about John Jabot's grandpa? Posted and calling into Ceylon saying there's 50,000 kids at the street dance <laughs> right, and they're 50, being 000. assholes, you know. How big was Ceylon again? Yeah. Uh, Ceylon is probably 300 people. 300 people right yeah i mean come on man right and it's just and so like you know you couldn't you you could make mistakes in a sense and it was okay kind of like taking care of without incriminating people right um but at the same time like if you made a mistake everyone knew for sure right like a a, a big enough one like you obviously if you're doing something incredibly stupid, like that's life. Right. Um, but it was like an early indication of like how harsh, uh, online, the online world could be to you. Right. Absolutely. Like, because everybody would just read in the paper that, Oh, you know, Ben Semp got a minor. Yeah. That boy's a drunk. Yeah. Well, he's not he's a fucking <laughs> high school kid. Yeah. Like having fun with his friends after school, you know, in the summer, like that's what kids do. Right. I don't know. Well, and also, like, I mean, for people that don't really realize, like, Fairmont is desolate. Like, like it is the big town to everybody else, but it's small as fuck for us. And it's also so flat that you can watch your dog run away for two days, dude. Like, there is nothing (laughs) around us, right? Like, so... I mean, it was nothing to go to a party or whatever, right? But like you said, you know, everyone knew. And whether it was printed in the paper or not, I remember the first time I went to a party on a Friday night after a football game, junior year, 
And I had way too many bush lights. And come Monday morning, dude, everybody inside those walls knew. And yeah, yeah football coaches were down my neck. Like, what the hell's going on? You know, like it's just like right. holy shit. But that that is the harsh reality of a small town because at that at that time you're like, hey, leave me alone. But that's also how you realize also too, like, hey, everybody cares. You know, at that yeah, like, yeah, and it can yeah, it's good and bad, right? Right. Yeah, it can make you hold you accountable. For sure. Like that pressure that I'm like railing on is also what kept me and my friend, my group of friends from, you know, doing that shit in high school. Right. Like we didn't drink. Yeah. Half, you know, a lot of dudes did because we thought like, man, we're the best football team that's ever existed. Yeah. We were not. Um, <laughs> But we thought we were and we thought like we were we were all going to make it. And, you know, so nobody wanted to jeopardize that. You know, and, and, you know, God bless them. Like the other kids in the class, like they respected that. Like they didn't pressure us. And we'd all just like we would just get in our cars, do the whip. Yeah. Goms to McDonald's. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Bud Light, you know, Bud Lake to Hall. Yeah. And, you know, pounded Mountain Dew and Sour Patch Kids, if we're being honest, like when everybody else is doing shit that they shouldn't do. Yeah. And. We had a great time. And then, yeah, when we graduated, we got into trouble. Sure. But, yeah, so that pressure kept us out of that because we knew, man, if our parents found out. Yeah. I mean, you know my dad. like, Yeah, dude, for sure. I got a minor in college. Ben, he didn't talk to me for three months. Well, and he drove me. He drove me back, back to, to Sioux Falls. Yeah. Yeah. He gave me a two and a half hour ride to school. And didn't talk to me the entire way, and then did not pick up the phone for three months. No, I can believe it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so imagine I'm, having that occur when you're 15. Right. Well, I remember your dad cussing. I mean, it, it, something else I want to touch on, but like, your parents mean a lot to me, and, and it, it sticks out so well because it was the first time I ever heard your dad cuss. And there was probably like six of us in your parents' kitchen and something had happened at home and uh and he started yelling at us like we did it. And we're like, Rod, mm -hmm. we, we didn't do that. And he's like, I just want to know what the fuck those guys were thinking. I was like, Well, we weren't there. We didn't do it. But so I could only imagine him, you know. I mean, that's like I said, that's just the first yeah. time I remember your dad cussing. So Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So you grew up in Fairmont. Yep. You went to play college football. Yeah. Go to Wesleyan. Yeah. How was that experience for you? Yeah, man. Overall? I mean, it was fun. I mean, I was there, uh, uh, you know, I was there a semester at D-Dub. And uh, it, honestly, I just, I thought I was the shit because I was playing college ball. I got mm -hmm. into the crowd of the guys that would go out and party every day. And that's what we did. Same. And, you know, I Same. was I was sleeping until uh, we had to be in the training room at one o'clock. So I was sleeping until noon so I could eat, eat lunch before. Right. Yeah, and so 59 is the. Yeah, I would have. Exactly. You know, so <laughs> I got 60 seconds to get there. Uh, it was it was a it was great exposure to the world. Uh, I met mm -hmm. people from all over the country that I still don't know why they went to Mitchell, South Dakota. Um I mean, you have family there. It's never shout out Corn Palace. Yeah, shout out. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it was. I enjoyed it, man. I'm happy I did it. It wasn't for me. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Uh, I wasn't in the headspace at 18 years old to be doing something like that. Nobody uh, is. No, 
and that's just it. And I also think that also, I'm not I, like I said. I don't want to disrespect anybody ever, but I remember there being days like you know the coaches not knowing our names and shit like that. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well then this really isn't for me, you know. So I'm just gonna just gonna yeah, move along. But it, I mean, it is what it is, and you know, I had fun and I didn't rack up any debt. I was on a scholarship, so everything was good and. I just pieced out after a semester and everything Cheers works out, you know, yeah. so. So you went there for a semester, then what? Yeah. Like, then you went back and worked at the hog farm? Yeah, then I moved home. I didn't really know what I was going to do that first semester. I probably had 10 jobs that first semester out of college, and then every time somebody come home, I'd quit my job. Because like, I was still <laughs> 18. I remember your brother coming home on a Tuesday night, dude, and I was supposed to work at Wednesday morning, and I was like, no, I got friends in town. So I just, you know. Um, they were nothing special, but I mean, it's just also what you do when you're 18 years old, you know, it's like, I didn't give a shit. Like now I'll just quit this job. That's just fucking incredible. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's the truth. Um, so that was my first, I mean, there's better shit to do than work for sure, dude. When you're honestly at that time too, like I really thought like, okay, I was going to go back and play Juco ball and I just had to get my shit together and I still had all these fucking dreams and all this bullshit. But like I said, mm-hmm. dude, every time somebody came home, it was like, well, I'm supposed to work Saturday, but if you guys are in town, I'll just find another job. So, yeah, I mean, so no, there's I, plenty of gas stations in the oh, world. And, and I never worked at one. So <laughs> I'm totally shout funny. out. <laughs> That's uh, funny. But yeah. no, man. Yeah, it was uh, like I said, it was a good experience. Um, yeah. Then I came home. Um, obviously, as we touched on, bounce around on jobs a little bit before started I started working at a hog. Like, yep. So you've mentioned this kid's name a couple of times, Weston Bramer. Yeah. Weston. Yeah. You should probably not use full government name. Well, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> Tag him on Facebook. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Right? These yeah. are the people that okay. are listening to not it, on so Facebook, but Search yeah, him. so you, this kid, Weston. Yeah. He's your best. One of your best friends. Yep. I shouldn't say he's your best friend. One of your best friends. He owned a hog farm. Correct. Was there like a rivalry because you went to work for another hog farm? Any bitterness? No. Um, So actually, uh, Weston's folks own like finishers. So to not bore the the world on on pig talk here because we could get into it. I mean, uh, but uh, Weston grew for Hugesons and that's who I worked for. So the people that owned the barn that I worked at was Hugesons. The only thing that gets hairy with that, and I think it's a thing that people don't understand, is like biosecurity stuff. So, I mean, when you're, I mean, pigs are basically born with zero, you know, and they have an immune system, but it's shitty, right? And so they. Just like humans. Yeah, correct. And they get sick by everything. And so yeah. the biggest thing is like keeping your distance from other barns, right? So it. Mm-hmm. it when you're in that world, it makes it harder to hang out with those people. You got to be careful. You know, you can't wear the same boots. You shouldn't be wearing like the same boots that you even wore outside or around the barn that day. You should have. Mm-hmm. That's why everybody's got farm trucks and separate vehicles. I mean, it's a pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. That's where I got all my COVID knowledge, Jeff. That's why Time we solved that. You mean to tell me bacon just doesn't show up? It doesn't. On my plate? No. Like no. there's this whole process. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People it's bitching wild. about cost of shit, man. Yeah. It, like, you just don't know, right? Like, what goes into it all. No, people don't. They have and no that's idea. from one barn to another. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I think, 
I know there's a lot of bad pub out there on the, the hog industry, but if there was one thing that I'm probably most proud of being where we're from, it's that, uh, especially that I worked in that world. Mm-hmm. Those people are incredible, and obviously you can find shitty people in anything. I mean, that's really easy to do in 2022, but uh, just the fact 100%. that, like, all the care that goes in to to it to raise these animals and then to really, I mean, Martin County is the bacon capital of the world, and it's not just a slogan. That's a thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I wish well, hog, that, I mean, the hog futures were read on the radio. Right, right, every day. Right, like every morning. right. Yeah, hogs, corn, soybeans to tell you what was going yep. on. Like it's a big deal, and that before I was in it, I didn't give a shit either. Like most people no. don't, you know. But no. yep. uh, but now, I mean, I think I really do wish it was something that everyone could expose themselves to is that hog community because it's so intricate and it's so detailed, and and people just don't know that. I mean, I could read you a list of names, a million of them, but. The amazing people that I got to work with, and especially like the people at the vet clinic, dude. Mm-hmm. Those guys. We'll I mean, here I'll take give you one, Doctor Jeff Kurt. All right, he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, uh, he was a male gymnast at Iowa State University. So this dude is. I mean, you look Jack. at him, he, he, but he do, it doesn't look like it. But then, no, like you he's know, five two. Correct, exactly. But he's an awesome dude, and he's an incredible vet. Jeff would come in to the barns and he would grab a little bit of feed that was going to the sows and just smell it. He'd be like, okay, that's good. Like to just have that no sense. And it's, it's just corn. I mean, it's ground corn. Obviously there's things mixed into it, but the, the care that goes into those animals is unbelievable. And so many people shit on it. And I just wish we could round up all them PETA people and give them a tour. Right. Well, uh, you know, PETA, fucking just people right right um you know it's like what do they say everybody at some point in your life should be should work in a restaurant mm-hmm. right the flip of that uh, i think there's there's more industries like that right like yeah like that gives you a good taste of you know the service industry but i think like everybody should work on a farm someday absolutely you know w- whether you know whether it's an animal farm or you know, a corn, soybean, cotton, whatever it is, right? Just the amount of work that goes into producing, like, I don't know, 90 per, I'm wildly making up a number, right. 90% of the shit that we ingest and Correct. use on a daily basis, right? Your clothes, your food, you know, your gas for your, I mean, soy, you know, the gas for your car, like all this shit, like the amount of work that goes into that is, it's not pick a piece of corn. And then put it in the grocery store. No. Right? Like, there's so much work that goes into all that stuff. Like, you said, like, I had no idea. I learned this today. Right. That there's a growing farm for hogs and then a, like you said, a finishing farm uh, for that. And I'm sure it's the same in every industry, whether it's it's cattle, chicken, you know, you name it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure it's like that everywhere. And I can't imagine, right? That'd be be good for everybody to go through that probably i mean it was i mean i think like probably like really any kind of blue collar work like Mm -hmm. if you just like really had to put like your head down and work you know not every i would say probably i mean i I bet the number is north of 75 percent of people never have a blue collar job in their life and i'm not saying you have to stay blue collar but just being from wildly over 
overestimated. My 90% was spot on. 75 is wildly you overestimated. You think so? Nine, 75% <laughs> of people? Totally. I'm but totally, no. I, I think, oh, I bet 40% of, never do. I have never? I mean, there's never a lot of people that have never had a job, Jeff. 40% seems low. Well, 40% well, is a lot of people. That's like three and a half billion yeah. humans. Yeah, I mean, I understand, but I mean, let's just stay. I mean, yeah, okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's I'm fair. fucking with you, dude. No, it's it's a fair take. They're probably forty percent. Everybody's a really hard worker. Everybody you've ever met has picked. Either shit way, up at it's a lot zoo. of people. Yeah, it's a lot of people. No, it is. It is. So right? yeah, like, man, I never I, worked in. I never worked in a restaurant or a farm. You didn't. Maybe no, I was a laborer, right? You know, when I was in the army, right? Like, but. Never, I never did that. Yeah, I so, wish I did. And so, being you just said it, it's something that I want to talk about. Is your little bit of your army time? You don't have to get a ton into it, but it's something that I I appreciate of you. Um, very thankful for for everybody that does that. Grew up in a, in a military family. So, what was your decision there, Jeff? What what drove you to to want to join the army? Oh man. Um. So I went to college from 98 to 02. Yeah. So 2009-11, right, happened my senior year of college. And I'm sure for you it was a stop the world moment. It was for everybody Yeah. that has any semblance of a memory of that day. I mean, I, st- I, mean, I remember it to this day, like almost minute by minute, like everything going down. You know, waking up, being hungover, because like you said, I drank every night. Yeah. And partied incredibly hard. Um, I had a class at 9 a.m. when I was a senior, which, you know, if I'm being honest, one of the biggest mistakes of my life, having a class before noon in college. I think that is <clears> one <throat> thing that I remember you telling us before we all went to school is like, don't have a 9 a.m. class. Like, yeah, not when you're a senior, back. man. You get first pick. Like, right. If you if you've got the, like you have fucked up yeah. in college if you're taking nine a.m. classes when you're a senior and I did right like I totally screwed off all so I was just trying to get my my shit done so I could graduate I had a nine a.m. class um and it was like socioeconomic so it's like it's not just economics but it you know it took on everything right and we walked in and I woke so I woke up I go downstairs we're watching the TV I've seen. The, the first plane has already hit and we watched the second one. And I remember yelling up to, um, he's our second baseman. I was like, Don Levy, like it's fucked down here. And like Craig Crow said was our catcher. I was like, Craig, what? Like, and they were both like into politics mm-hmm. and we're watching this and we see the second plane hit. We're just like, Holy shit. Like This is, it's not, it's not just a plane crashed being a dumb 20 year old i'm like well gotta go to class right right and so i walk out and i go to class and we're all in class and you know most of the students there are like super super prepared and smart and i'm just this fucking idiot i walk in like right at the like right as the class is about to start they probably been to breakfast had their coffees prepping with you know reading notes and all this shit and the teacher walks in he's like how's everybody doing today and i just like i raised my hand i was like you aware that two planes have hit the World Trade Center this morning? And that teacher 
said class is dismissed turn around and left didn't come back to school the rest of the year he was turns out he was like a consultant for the cia Um, yeah like and he just he vanished like just immediately all hands on deck right and it was a seminal moment for me just on like understanding what sacrifice is right like this guy like not that he's like this rich life set up guy yeah but when you're a college professor life's pretty good for sure three months off in the summer you're getting paid well significantly better than college kids he's at a private institution they get to take sabbaticals Uh, granted like they're learning and i'm not like shitting on that life but as you mentioned like growing up in a small like life can be as good as you want it to be that's a pretty good life right and this dude just bounced he's like i'm fucking out yeah i gotta go help right and it stuck with me and like those two twins that i talked about that went to k-state they were in the air force and like we called each other that morning and like we were we were talking about it all day and i mean like so the rest of the day i'm just at at our house called the moon towers rest in peace like that thing got knocked down the year after we moved out um that's not a joke (laughs) burn it to the ground yeah floors were uneven um but yeah like we just sat in that living room there were six of us we watched that tv all day i mean just eyes glued right in shot right and when you're 20 years old it burns in your head and yeah man i graduated um i i don't have a military bone in my family like there is i shouldn't shouldn't say that i'm sure there is like everybody does from right. world war ii um shout out those motherfuckers that's a war <laughs> um but I didn't have, like, my dad wasn't in it, right? right. Um, I don't have any, like, direct connection to that. My grandfather was, my mom's dad, but he passed away when she was 18, so I never met him. Right. Um, so it wasn't in my cards. And I hate saying that, that, like, you're dealt a hand in your life, but it's true. Like, so many people who are, like, sons of cops go on to be cops. So many people who are from a military family go on into the military Right. It's probably only natural. You grow up worshiping your parents and all that shit. Um, So I didn't have a bone in my body that like told me to do that. And I graduated. I I went and got a job and I was sitting behind a desk. And, you know, you're from Arizona. You know, Pat Tillman fucking quits the NFL. Walks away from, I don't remember the number. It's like three and a half mil, dude. Yeah, it definitely more than we make right yeah. um walked away from a shit ton of money at the height of his career he says fuck it man i gotta go yep um and i'm 20 years 21 years old at this time you know i'd like to say like peak physical condition oh yeah <laughs> not, uh not that i hadn't let myself go a little bit but you know just sitting there like getting yelled at by a boss because i was late um similar to you like quitting a job because your friends came home like my friend would have a long lunch 
and we got we had an xbox and we were like playing halo and so i'd call her and be like i just witnessed an accident on these crossroads and so i got to give a statement to the police and i just sit around for another two hours playing halo right um like i fucking hated the job and realized like this is not what i want to be doing i'm like i am not cut out for this and i missed being a part of a team being honest um you're if you're on a team for your life at that point right playing baseball football basketball whatever and then all of a sudden it's just you yeah it's just like a fucking shitty way to go through life um i still think about that right like i got a family now which is great but like just like looking out for your own uh, it just fucking sucks yeah. uh, and i hate that that's kind of how like a lot of people are today but anyways like hated that and just knew like I should, I need to do something. Mm-hmm. And, um, I walked into the air force, you know, fucking, I grew up top gun, Tom Cruise, like, shh, come on, man. Right. Like I'm going to go be Maverick. Right. Uh, I walk in, I'm like, what do I got to do to be a pilot? And I, the, the amount of time the guy told me it was going to take, um, I'm like, ah, that's not good enough. Uh, I got to go. Um, <laughs> so I just like, and and back in the day, like Air Force, Navy, Marines, Army, they were all just like right next to each other. And so I walked out one door, walked into the next, um, walked into, walked past the Navy because there's no way I was going to spend any time on a fucking ship. Um, but shout out to Marines, right? Um, <laughs> walked into, um, walked past the Navy. Oh my God. And walked into the army and I'm like, Hey, here's who I am. Here's what I want to do. They're like, Whoa, timeout. You, you got a degree. Like they almost pushed me away. Right. Cause I had a college education. Like I had things in front of me and this is at a time when literally they were taking everybody and not that they didn't take me clearly they did, but like the recruiter was a little taken aback that I was just willing to like walk in and sign up. And he's like, you don't want to go be an officer like how long does that take he's like a year like fuck no what's available right like we got to take this test to determine how smart you are i was like all right i took it scored a 99 out of 99 it's called the asvab they're like you can do whatever the fuck you want (laughs) like what's this fight you know like right put me in the fight and they're like well there's as far as combat arms goes you can be infantry you can be cavalry um which you know being a scout or you can be armor you could be, I mean, technically, like, artillery is also combat arms, but, look, they're, they're a little ways back there. So right. Once you've served, you realize, like, they're really not. Um, and I was like, all right, what's what? And they're like, well, in the infantry, it's 100 guys. You know, you're in a group of 100 guys, and they say, go take that hill. If you're in the armor, you're in a tank, and you're really just driving around shoot another big shit. And then they showed me this video of being a cavalry scout, which was like two dudes ripping through the jungle on a motorcycle. And I was like, I'm going to fucking do that. That's for me. Signed the paper, called my parents, Rod, or not Rod, Debbie. Yeah, give me, yeah, I want to know this reaction. Debbie, what the fuck are you doing, Jeff? Rod talked to him and hung up. 
right? And this is back in landline days. And so, like, my dad's on the other line. And, you know, shout out to my dad. Fuck, man. Uh, just told me he couldn't be prouder of me. Yeah. So, you know, like, told me what I needed to be doing. You know, and, like, don't get me wrong. He was scared. For sure. I don't blame him. Like, everybody I knew went, like, went overseas. Um, You know, he tried to talk me into joining the Navy or joining the Air <laughs> Force. And I just, like, it, it was too late. Yeah. I signed up. You can't get out of this. Right. Or, like, I wrote my name on a piece of paper. Um, cause he just wanted his son to be safe, you know, and as a dad, I totally get that now, <laughs> you know, um, especially like not having any experience doing that. Um, I totally get where he's coming from. So he just, he asked, he just wanted me to be, he just wanted me to be okay, man. Um, and yeah, dude, off I fucking went. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, and it was a wild ride. Like, just like you have these thoughts. I thought I was going to be on motorcycles in a goddamn jungle. Right. Rambo and the shit out of predators. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Army ain't own no motherfucking motorcycle. Right. They don't own a single one. Not one, man. <laughs> they don't own one. Um, they'll let you jump out of a plane and rappel out of a helicopter. But I wanted to be on a motorcycle and I never got to do one. Um, but that's life. That's right? life. Um, yeah, so it's a good experience, but um, you learn a lot. I meet I meet a ton of good dudes, lost some. Um, it shapes you. Yeah, like you said, you know that story you told at the beginning. I was tuned up when I was back there with you guys, right? Like I had. I think I had just gotten out or I was on leave like at the end. Sure. And I mean, you spend three, four years thinking every day about what your next day will bring. There's a lot of guys who went through that shit who struggle. Yeah. And, you know, we, we are underserving them for sure as a country. Um, cause there's a lot of guys like me, you know, fuck that fuck like me. Um, there's a lot of guys who are like that recruiter told me, you sure you want to be doing this? We want to be, you know, and it was almost like you're too good for this. Yeah. And I hate that. Cause I, cause I, I mean, I fucking hated that when he said that to me, like, why not? Right. Like I'm doing this, and honestly, and I told my brother this, I'm doing this so you don't have to. Mm -hmm. If if people who don't have to don't sign up, people who don't want to are going to be forced to do it. Right. And you know, I had I had no wife, I had no attachments. Yep. Time to go, man. Like yep. I'm able. Yep. They just fucking attacked our country. Like let's go. Absolutely. Right. And so. There's so many people who, sadly, it is their own, it's one of their only options to, like, make a better life for themselves. Oh, for sure. Um, whether they've, they just come from a shitty situation 
or it's part of their family history and they think that's the only way out uh, or the only way to a better life or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And I, yeah. you know, and I, if anybody's listening to this who served and I'm mischaracterizing your situation, like I'm not trying to, um, but there's a lot of people who are in that spot. Cause it's, it, that's it. Yeah. Like they, you know, maybe a judge told them go serve or go to jail. Right. And those guys are fucked up. A lot of, a lot of people in that spot are fucked up. Um, and I got out, Scott clean. Yep. I got any injuries, no disability, none of that shit. And that's just, you know, good luck. Yep. It's all it is. It's fucking luck. Right. Um, you know, one of my buddies did eight and multiple tours, you know, for the, like mentally he's fine, but you know, he's got fucking shrapnel on his back. Sure. Dumbass training accident, like right. training accidents, man. Like, Think of all the, you know, we all work. You know, I shouldn't say we all work, but a lot of people work white collar jobs or blue collar jobs, and just like the amount of like dumb injuries that happen on the job. Yeah. Well, throw in fucking hand grenades <laughs> and M16s, yeah, no and helicopters, and imagine the kind of like injuries that occur on the job, right? Like they're insane, right? And this guy's just doing a fucking grenade training exercise and. Some dumbass private drops a grenade right next to him. And thankfully he was, you know, tooted and booted, but he still got shrapnel on the lower back where there's no fucking Kevlar. Right. Right. And he's on painkillers to this day. Liver's fucked up. Like all that shit. Yep. So yeah, I just got lucky. Amen. I got lucky. And, and you know, there's others out there that in the same situation, but there's a lot that are not. A lot that are not. It sucks. Yes, yes, it does. Well, I appreciate you, brother, and your you guys you served with. Uh, I'm very appreciative of 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 you and all the other vets. So, shout out to vets. Appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, big shout out, man. Like, and I hate talking about like my experience because I'm fine. Yeah, I can't tell you that. I can't preach that enough. There's so many people that are not that Correct. need help, and you know, if you or anyone. Uh, can do anything, give anything to help them, like, do it. Because um, they need it. And they're not just, you know, deadbeats who don't want to get a job. Like, they hear a car door shut, and they think it's a fucking IED. Yep. Right. Like, so, like, they just cannot cope. Right. <laughs> and it's tough, and we don't do enough for them. So, no. Um, yeah, man. It's fucking, it's a wild, it's a wild deal. It is. And I and I know I told you I'd be on this, but I didn't want this to be about me, Ben. I know you didn't, but I, I want this to be about you, man. Like I, I like that. because if I'm, you know, to get back, like you went to be a coach. Yeah. And, and you know, I got to know you. Like I said, I've known you 20 years. Yep. Um we started to get to know each other a little bit better at my brother's wedding. Yep. Um <clears throat> we both gave speeches. Yep. Some might say mine was better than yours. It was for sure. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Totally kidding. Totally kidding. Um, we gave speeches and we started to like get to know each other better. We bonded over some fucking Kodiak. Yeah. We bonded over wanting to beat up this fucking cocksucker who said some inappropriate shit. I mean, all he did was tell me I was fat. And like the first hundred times it was cool, but like 101. 101? Come on. Damn, dude. Yeah, good observation skills on that guy, though, you know? Yeah, yeah, dynamite. <laughs> yeah, dynamite. no shit. 
fucking cunt. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, it prevented you from going to jail, which was cool. Yeah. Um, but then, like, you know, we play video games damn near every night. Yeah. Uh, and we have a ton of fucking conversations about all, like, the most random stuff on the planet. And you were playing, we were playing together for what, six months before you went to Arizona to go visit Ty? Yeah. Roughly. Something like that. So, you know, like we had drunk conversations, nothing deep. Right. Um, but you go out to visit Ty, who uh, is a high school friend of yours. Yep. Right. Ty moved out there. Shit. How long ago? Seven years ago, I think. Seven years ago, he's from Fairmont, right? Small town, Minnesota, moves out to Arizona. He's just chasing his fucking dream. And you go out to visit him for, what, four days? Yeah, something, four or five, whatever, yeah. Four or five days. You come back. Yep. Well, in those four or five days, you you meet someone. Yeah. Yeah. Ton, what up? Shout out Ton. Tony Katan, 80s legend. <laughs> just kidding that was the first thing i heard of that i thought of when you told me her name was tawny um so you go meet her you meet her tinder bumble 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 i don't i don't understand that world i did not grow up in the internet app based dating scene which yeah. is a wild concept to me you meet this girl out there you come back and like two weeks later we're playing video games one night we're playing rocket league or cod whatever yeah you're just like fucking moving to Arizona. Yeah, I mean it was a little longer than that, but yeah, I mean it Maybe, was. I mean it wasn't much. No, we uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I mean I came down to see Ty, and I was trying at that point. I was trying to you know coach college ball, and I applied to uh, Arizona Christian down here, and that didn't work out. And uh, you know, I just really, I really wanted to get down here. Um, at, at that point, I mean. I love it down here, obviously, right? But then came out and saw Ton a couple times, and I was like, yep, for sure. And then, yeah, man, I mean, when I told you I was gone, like, I didn't even have a job. I just slowed it up right. cheap and hit the road. But so, like, walking away from, as you, you know, like, you agreed, it was an idyllic life yeah. in Fairmont, right? Like, Shit that people who grow up in big cities just do not understand that sense of community. Right. Um, how, like, if you had lost your job in Fairmont, you have one the next morning. You quit jobs on Tuesday because your buddy was home Tuesday night. Sure. And you wanted to fucking party. Right. Because you knew you had a safety net. You were secure. Right. Dude, that town was going to take care of you for the rest of your life. Right. And you just fucking packed up and left. Yeah. Was it? Was it to chase the coaching dream or was it just I'm chasing a different life slash a girl slash bigger and like because that's incredibly uh, bold to me considering where you were at. Right. Like you were you were I don't want to say you were settled. But, you, you know, you had been there a while. Yeah. So. I was happy. What went into that? Yeah, man, I think so. I mean, I remember when I flew down to, you know, see Ty, like everything was about trying to coach college ball and Mm -hmm. those things, those goals and dreams, they change. Uh, There's a lot of factors that that we don't have to get into today. But like at that time, then, you know, I'd come see Ton a couple of times 
And I think, yeah, like obviously uh, part of it was her. Uh, part of it was like, you're going to turn 30. Like if you don't leave Fairmont, are you ever right? And it's mm-hmm. not that, like you said, man, I could have been happier than a fucking clam just chilling in Fairmont. Uh, I have a lot of good friends, great friends yeah. in that area. Uh, you know, I right. know your brothers tried to get me to move to Sioux Falls a million times. And then instead I, mm-hmm. I moved 2000 miles away. So yep. <clears throat> I think it was just because he sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but no, I think it was just a culmination uh, of right time. Uh, you know, we'd just gone through COVID. That makes you think of a ton of stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. do you want to keep doing this? Whatever. And that was just at a point where it was like, I, I didn't know what I want to do. And I, I still don't. Um, but we're trying to figure it out, I guess. So, um, but yeah, man, it was, like I said, it was a culmination of, of Ton and, and being down here and just really chasing a, a, a better, better life, I guess. So any anxiety oh my god a million like dude when you move without a job across the country and i mean where we live it's a beautiful place but rent ain't cheap and yeah i mean i wasn't broke when i moved but it was like you know you can't live for too long right i mean you want to be able to do stuff and live so yeah i no, yeah i mean i was super anxious i uh i have a video recorded that i i kept for myself just like a self-motivation thing um, I don't, I don't think I'll tell you about it, but I'll never share it with the world. And, um, I was, I was so scared, dude. I, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget pulling out of town. Um, I mean, you see the water tower with Fairmont on the, on the, mm-hmm. you know, on it. And it was just like, you know, just leaving everything behind was wild. And to only yeah. go back once a year now, um, it's crazy. Time flies. I can't believe it's been, you know. Yeah, you know, almost a year since I've been back and been right. down here for over a year, and it yeah, man, it's it's nuts. In like, did you you got a lot of masks? Then apparently, I never saw that. Yeah, I mean that's something that like, I always deal with. I mean, just like I know we talked yeah. yesterday, man. Like I, I, I think everybody deals with stuff in different ways. It definitely mm-hmm. it, it it pisses Tong off a lot. Um, but I don't talk to people about stuff, and mm-hmm. I probably should. It's probably not good to not do that. And if you're listening to that, talk to people because you're your <laughs> own worst enemy, uh, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's just how I've dealt with things throughout life. Uh, like, life has not always been the friendliest, uh, but I have the best people in the world surrounding me. I am sure. so thankful for the people that I grew up with. Uh, people like your parents, I could go on, you know, I, I just very thankful. There's a lot of people in my corner. I have a lot of great, sure. great friends, uh, that are family to me. I have, like I said, man, just so many good people that believe in me. Like I could tell you guys, yeah. I was going to go scoop elephant shit at the circus and you guys would be like, you're going to be the best one to ever do it. You know? So it's just one of those things. Like when you have those kind of people in your life, you just, you got to take risks, man. I, I think that's mm-hmm. the thing I've learned the most in a year is if you don't take risks, if you don't try to do something, it's not going to happen. You're not going to do it. So. Yeah. Well, that's like, to me, that's why I think, and I didn't know that, like, hand of God, whatever the fuck you believe in. I didn't know you had that level of anxiety to what you did. Mm-hmm. 
Um, like you came across, and I'm not saying like good for you, like you came across this way. Um, cause I do think the fact that like, as men, we don't talk about shit, right. uh, is not healthy. Right. And I mean, put me through the ringer, probably yeah. put my brother through the ringer. Like we both dealt with some shit in the past, but, um, I never saw a, a, a quote unquote chink in the armor. Yeah. Right. Like you came across, like came across excited and like as an, as an observer, as an outsider, like hearing you talk about this and just like knowing you were going and knowing you were going to do it and knowing how big of a move that is. Yeah. Man, I was like, I was fucking impressed and inspired. Appreciate that. Like, and I never told you, like, honestly, like you choosing to do that helped me quit my job. Really? Like, you know, and I, you know, it's uh, a lot of us went through that stuff. Uh, weird shit in COVID. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like weird times. Like, you, you know, you drink too much. You maybe you're, you become lazy or, or maybe you were a, a, a freak and like turned your life completely around. But we all went through a lot of weird shit. And like, I was comfortable just like you were. Right. You had a support system. I was in a job that I don't want to say I was the best in the world because I definitely wasn't. Yeah. But the people that I was around, I was safe. Yep. Barring like sexual assault of someone who worked for me. Right. I was never getting fired. Right. I was inner circle of a company that was growing, but I wasn't happy. I was dealing with all the social shit that we were having to work on as a country. And I just knew like, man, I can't maintain this anymore. Right. And if this guy can fucking leave Fairmont, I can leave my job. I appreciate that, brother. You know, and I, it it matters, man. Like, and that's why I wanted like you to tell. That's why I wanted to get you to tell your story. Yeah, and like, there's more to that. Like, for sure, I was then inspired by you saying, "I want to fucking start a podcast." Yeah, because like, yeah, I'm a I'm a perfectionist by nature, and not. Yeah, I, I have three pages of notes of shit I want to talk to well, you about. Ben. I well, we're. I think we got to do a part two. That'd be great. Because, but they, like, and I, I'm not going to. No, we are because they want. No, us no, no. To... No, yeah, no. Yeah. You got to stop. I'm yeah. not saying like I'm not. I I, I want to do this more because like yeah, your story like, you know, inspiring to me. Yeah. Fuck it. Maybe I'm the only one on the planet, but oh, you know, man. I know people want to hear your story and like want to hear you talk about like the shit you went through yeah. and like your decisions that went into moving. Yeah. Starting a podcast, putting yourself out there to the world. Right. Is it's scary. I couldn't dude. do it. Yeah. Fuck yeah. It's Fuck scary yeah, it thing. <laughs> Absolutely. So I don't know. I mean, if they're telling you time to wrap up, let's wrap up, man. We can do this again. No, we will I'm for sure. The- um, yeah, no. Uh, God, this was good. I can't believe it. Jeff. We almost did an hour and a half. Um, like it was nothing. Um, I know. So we I've will. We had doing- four whiskeys. Nice. I only had two McUltras, so two and a half. <laughs> um, but no, Jeff, I appreciate you so much. Uh, more than you know, honestly. Uh, Back at you. Uh, it's been so much fun to get to know you. 
This is part one. Uh, we will be doing a part two. We have to. And we're leaving it. On, you know, this is like the Joe Dirt Diaries, dude. We're leaving her. Be back here tomorrow. Joe Dirty. Um, but no, I appreciate you, brother. Everyone listening at home, I know this is definitely the longest episode. Uh, I think Jeff and I could have just made a Rogan episode. We could have been on here for about four hours. But uh, we're going to cut her here for today. I appreciate you all. Like, comment, subscribe. Uh, appreciate you, uh, Jeff, so much. Thank you, everyone at home. We'll see you next time. Guys,